Well, good morning. I'm Jody Solon, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm really grateful to be back here today. And I want to take the time to thank Reverend Joanne for again trusting me to fill in for her and bring you the message and the music and the meditation today. I'm hoping today is a powerful experience for you as I'm going to share some things that are very powerful and have been very powerful in my own life. My talk is called Moving Toward Our Dreams. Moving Toward Our Dreams. And it was interesting, last night I had a dream. I dream a lot, but last night I had this dream that I've had many times, and somehow I've kind of forgotten. But I know I had this dream last night because I was supposed to bring it here in spirit. And this was the dream. There was a beautiful room, an endless room. And there was an entity, a divine entity, a powerful entity of love standing in the front of the room emanating this gorgeous peace and love. And around the room were people standing all over. For miles, you could not see how many people. Hundreds of thousands. And each person in their hand held a heart. A hollow stained glass heart with a door in the front of it. Held it in front of them. And in the silence, this entity would walk up to a person, gently open the door of the stained glass heart, and reach in and pull out a piece of itself, a piece of light, a piece of the divine, and place it inside the heart, sacredly shutting the door and blessing that person. And this went on throughout the whole room. And I watched as each person received this from the divine, this spark of the divine gifted to each person. And I noticed that each person had a very unique heart. The stained glass was beautiful, but nobody's was the same. And as that light, that divine spark was placed into the heart, it would light up in beautiful colors. Everyone's different. Every pattern different in everyone's heart. Until the entire room, hundreds of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, until their heart was lit. And they all stood in peace and in love and in connection with this divine entity, the one, the creator. And all of a sudden, all this color changed and moved around the room until it flew up into the sky into one white light. A light that emanated with this divine, with the entity, the one we call the one, God, whatever your word is. I remembered, oh, that's right. That's right. We're all given that divine spark. I call it the dream. It's not what some people would call a dream. I call it the divine dream, the divine plan, the divine purpose for your life and for my life. And each of us get it. We get it before we're even born. It's just a metaphor, that beautiful stained glass heart. What a beautiful thing to see in my dream. Just a metaphor for how spirit takes a piece of itself and places it within us. We're always connected 
There is no separation. It's a piece of the divine. It's a piece of the whole. And we're all a part of the whole. And we all get it. We all get that dream. But I think sometimes we come into this world and that dream, that innate wisdom, that purpose, that passion begins to dissipate, get covered up, get silenced. Sometimes it happens in kindergarten when we're very little and everyone is coloring the apple red and we pick up the blue crayon and the teacher says, oh, no, 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 apples aren't blue, they're red. And we're coloring outside the lines. No, you don't do that. we got rules here, right? Or everyone's playing with some toy and you go off and pick something different. Little girls don't play with that. Right? Or you begin to develop something naturally that you're really good at and someone says, oh, honey, you don't want to be an artist. You'll starve. There's no money in that. Life begins to kind of come in and people's opinions come in and I think it's based on their own experiences, right? So someone who's telling you you can't, you won't, has probably suffered some kind of defeat, some kind of issue, and is fearful. And they're warning you, oh, watch out, right? I also believe that sometimes our dreams are these things that we put way over there somewhere. Those dreams are so far away, and we think we have to make a gigantic leap over there. And because we think that, we believe it's going to take a giant leap, some of us never even start. We're so afraid. How am I ever going to get over there? It's not going to happen. So we don't even start. And some of us start. We start. And then an obstacle comes in our way. How many have ever met that? You have a dream, right? You begin. And all of a sudden, there's a huge obstacle. It's what we believe that sets the tone for what we achieve or what we uncover. I think we've made it too complicated. I hear people all the time talk about their dreams and hopes and plans, but they make it so complicated. There's so many steps, and if this happens and that happens and the money comes, and then I'll do it. I'm looking for an answer. I see so many of us, all of us, looking for the answer. I'll read this book. Maybe it's in that book, but what if? What if God already set the breadcrumbs out for us to follow the path? And what if it's as natural and easy as it is to breathe? Interesting, huh? What if we've already been given all the tools and we've complicated it so much that we've forgotten the simplest thing? What if baby steps could take us to our dreams? baby steps to big dreams. What if it isn't a giant leap? How many of you remember your first baby steps that you took? I'm really glad. I'm glad no one raised their hand because I don't remember what I ate for dinner last night, right? Most of us would say, of course, you don't remember. But how many of you have seen a little toddler taking their first steps? Whether it's at your home, right? Your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, someone else's, your niece, your nephew. In a movie, we've seen it, right? We have a new granddaughter. And she's around seven months old, almost eight months old now. And I got to visit with her a couple weeks ago and spend time with her. And she's at that stage where she's crawling, crawling, crawling. But she's not satisfied with that anymore. 
And what I know about that is, is that we are naturally called forward. We're never called backwards, right? Naturally, we know a baby is born, it moves forward and forward and forward and growing and growing. There's our first natural clue, the first breadcrumb, I think, that God lays out. We will move forward. We are called forward. So I watch her crawling around, and she's having the best time. And, of course, I'm getting to connect with her again. I haven't seen her since January, and I'm watching her. And I'm starting to move obstacles out of her way. And then I realize, oh, no, 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 that's the natural path. She's got to learn her way around them, over them. And she climbed over piles of blocks and toys and pushed me out of the way, that little teeny thing. Until she got to her crib. It was so cool. She got to her crib, and then she knelt. And she grabbed onto a rung of the crib. And I sat there and thought, oh, my gosh. This is going to be cool. And how interesting right before I'm going to give this talk, that I get to experience this so I can kind of take it all in again. She grabs onto that one rug, and she looks back at me. And her name is Piper, and she is a little Piper. She's the sweetest little, happiest little thing. But she looks up and like, Grandma, watch this. Right? And she grabs onto it, and then she gets the other one. And she starts pulling herself up. And she looks back. And we do that, don't we? We have a dream. And we decide, okay, we're going to stand in it. We're going to pull ourselves up. And then she stands there for a minute like, Grandma, check this out. Here I am standing up so proud of herself. And I say, big girl, big girl, look at you. And she just smiles so wide. And we do that. We're so excited. Hey, I'm going to start a bakery. Really? Yeah, I got the place. I know what's going to be on the menu. I tried out the recipes. I'm so excited. And we stand there in our power, all set to go. And then I see her let go of one of the runs. And the grandma and me goes, don't fall on my watch, you know. And honestly, I don't really want you to take your first step with grandma because mom and dad want to see that, you know. The mother and me goes, okay, push yourself. And we do that, right? Because that first step sometimes we fall. But the delight in that she stood up and she's starting to do it. And what happens then when we begin to get called forward, called, moved on, we put that first leg out in on wobbly little legs. We decide we're going and boom, down we fall. Like our dream. We got the place. We got the menu. We're all set. And then the financing doesn't come through. Right? But she falls down. And she gets back up, and this time she goes to take that first little step, and she goes and she goes to the next step, and boom, down she falls. And then that magical day, she stands up and she takes a step, and another step, and the parent or loved one or aunt or uncle or grandma, someone realizes what's happening and goes across the room, and what do we do? Come on, honey. You can do it. You can do it. Why is that such a natural process? Because it's already been laid out. It's the breadcrumbs that we can follow to move forward on our dreams. Watch a baby. You never see a baby go, hey, I want to get over to the other side of this. I think I'm going to take a leap, a giant leap, sprout wings, and there they go. Have anybody ever seen this? Step by step by step. And someone's there waiting, encouraging, until finally they walk into a loved one's arms and they realize the dream. 
But I believe sometimes the dreams we have that are innate within us aren't real clear. We have an idea of what we think we're supposed to do. Anybody? But then it's not panning out like that. Why? When I was really, really little, I started singing. I loved to sing. I sang in the woods. I sang at church. I sang in my room. I sang in the shower. The teachers would tell me, Freddie, please, do your math. I was flunking math, and I always got extra credit for singing. I sang a lot of the teachers' weddings. I wrote songs for extra credit. I just knew what I needed to do. It was innate in me. And I thought, I was watching the show Hee Haw. Anybody ever remember Hee Haw? For those of you who don't, it's a country music show. It's a variety show shot in Nashville, so I thought. And it's just a variety show. People sing and dance and do all kinds of stuff. And I thought, okay, I want to be on Hee Haw. I've been singing in my hometown for years and doing my thing, and I'm going to go to Hee Haw. So I lied to my parents, and at 16, I flew myself to Nashville, Tennessee. That was way back, 1975, 74. And I got off the plane, and I said to the flight attendant, where is Hee Haw? And she said, honey, that's filmed in California. (laughs) Wrong place, right? But I went down to my hotel, and I checked in, and I went down to the lounge to listen to the band, and they were so awesome. And I was so excited to be in Nashville. And I figured, well, I'll figure out this hee-haw thing later, you know. But I'm listening to the band, and they have a male singer, and I keep sending up requests of female songs. And finally, he gets frustrated and says, who is sending up these songs? Obviously, I'm not a female. I don't do female songs. And the waitress said, this young lady here, she's a singer. And he goes, yeah, okay. How many of you had a dream? And someone goes, sure. Uh-huh, sure. But on their break, they were so frustrated that they pulled me into the hall and said, okay, singer, let's see what you got. And they started playing, and I started singing, and they went, oh, wow, okay. And the leader of the band said, you get to Nashville, you've got a job. So my 16-year-old self heard, you come to Nashville, you have a job. Okay, so I went home. And upon graduation, I told my parents I was moving to Nashville. I had no money. I had no car. I knew no one. My parents didn't have any money. I paid for the gas for them to bring me down to Nashville. And my dad said, where are you going? I said, I don't know. He goes, what do you mean you don't know? I don't know. You can't just show up here. But my dream was so alive and so vibrant. I knew I had to be there. I didn't know why. Not really. But I reached and my little wallet, and I pulled out a phone number this woman. And I called her, and I said, I'm here. And she said, great, where are you staying? I don't know. Where are you working? I don't have a job. Oh, Joe, let me make a phone call. And she made a phone call, and a woman had an apartment above a garage, and she said, you can move in there till you figure it out. I began to sing and do my thing. Okay, great. I thought, hee-haw, I thought, country music star. If I'm a country music star, then I can help my family who's very poor. I can help people who need to go to college. I can help my brothers and sisters. I can help my community. Blah, 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 blah. That's my dream. Little did I know that the first thing I would do was meet my soulmate and partner, Gary, singer-songwriter, the most amazing man I've ever met in my life. Didn't plan on that, did I? Thought I was going to Nashville for hee-haw, right? I meet my husband, and we get cast on this TV show called You Can Be a Star. Right up my alley, right? Here's my dream. You can be a star. And 
everyone else is doing cover material, and they ask Gary, do you guys write your own songs? Well, Gary was a writer. He was an incredible writer. And Gary said, oh, yeah, we write songs together. No, we don't. Thank you. Spirit was moving him. So we wrote our first song together and found these little outfits. We wrote a song called Old Fashioned Love, and we found these little outfits. We had no money. We put together something. We'd never been in front of a camera. We never had makeup done. He was going, I'm not doing it. I don't care what they say. I'm not wearing it. And by the first break, he's telling the makeup artist, touch me up over here. Let's, you know. We had a ball. But we did the first show, and guess what? We won. And it's a weekly thing, so if you win that day, you compete against the winners from the next day and the next day, and then, right? Until, and it goes on for weeks until the end. So now we go, oh, no, we have to write another song, right? So my idea, remember, was hee-haw. Remember what I was going to do, right? We were the only ones doing original material. We weren't doing country songs. We weren't copying those songs. We were doing our own thing. We scraped our money together. We wrote another song, and then we tried to outfit it. You know, how are we going to? We went on the show. We won. And people were saying, well, you're not singing country songs. You're not singing, you know, Tanya Tucker songs. You're, you know, this show is for country entertainers. I don't know what we're doing on the show. I don't know why we won. We won again and wrote another song. We won again and won again and won again, all the way up to the final show. And the prize was the recording contract. But we also had the recording contract already in our back pocket. We were ready to sign. So either way, it's okay. We didn't worry about winning or losing. We were just having fun doing it. I'm telling you, the first time you're on camera and they tell you to look this way, you don't have any idea what's going on, right? The first time your song comes alive with this amazing band of musicians from Nashville who are amazing. There were times in rehearsal I couldn't sing. I was just shocked. And standing next to the love of my life and hearing that voice come out of him and blend with me on a soul level. We get to the final show and they said, hey, we're not going to judge extra points for writing songs anymore. The moment we were about to go on stage, we lost. We lost the show. Okay, we lost the show. We loved the guy who won. He's a good friend. Happy for him. It was okay. And remember, we had in our back pocket that other contract. So the next week, we went down to sign with that record company, a very big record company. And we walked up to the door with our manager, and there was chains on the door, and it was padlocked. So some financial thing. We had heard IRS. We don't know what happened. Is that not a signal from the universe? See, sometimes you have a dream. We're going to be country music star. We're going to... And the universe said, oh, no. And tried to give us signs all the way along. On the show, we just did our thing. Right? But when that happened, when those record deals fell apart and we were left devastated... We got the tapes in from the show, and we began to watch them. And what we saw was that our dream was being honed. We were being led. We just didn't know it yet. Because when other contestants came out, the judges would say, yes, nine, ten, or they'd give feedback, or they'd give encouragement to people they didn't think were really up to par, right? When we sang, they would turn the camera to the judges for their decision, and they would be in tears. Sometimes they couldn't speak. They would say things like, I, I don't know what, I mean, the two of you together, you just, you open your heart. 
We weren't coming to entertain, but we didn't know it. We were coming to make a difference. Our songs were powerful. And they were heart-opening. And that's the path that we were given. That's the divine spark that each of us got. Not to be a country music star. Not to look like a celebrity or be a celebrity. It was to serve in a totally different way. And so, boom, we were set on another path. Right? It was our choice. Now, we could have gone, oh my God, we're devastated. And we all do that, right? Have you ever had that happen where something just shuts down your dream and then you go, well, I guess I'm not supposed to. And everybody's like, yeah, you're not going to make any money anyway. Good thing you didn't do that. And a lot of people were divided. There were those in the camp who were going, I can't believe you didn't win the show. And I can't believe that, Felsy. Why? We should write letters. And then there were those going, well, you know, maybe you guys should get a regular job and sing on the side because, you know, you don't want to have kids and have no money. You don't have a 401k. You won't have savings. But it switched us to another path, and that path began when we visited our first Unity Church and felt like we were home. How many of you have felt that way? Right? We walked in and went, oh, my gosh. Now, okay, we found our tribe. Now we know why we're writing these spiritual-type songs or songs that are opening people's hearts. We immersed ourselves in that. Right? We didn't get stuck in. Thank God we didn't get stuck in. Oh, my God. I have to be a star. That's my only way to sing. That's the only thing we can do. And I think in today's society, we hold that up like if you're not that, you're nothing. If you're not the most prominent lawyer in town, you're not the best lawyer. If you're not the best doctor with all these accolades that everybody thinks, you know, is the best, well, it's a true thing. Everybody has a unique path. And Beyonce has her path. I'm not Beyonce. So we go down that path and we begin to learn holotropic breathwork. It's a breathing technique that takes you within and your stuff comes up. And guess what we were forced to do? Heal our own stuff. Why? We didn't quite know. But we knew we had to work on our relationship and work on our stuff so we could be clear when we're writing songs that we can produce and write songs and record songs that will make a difference in, the li- in people's lives. And that being our stuff that we could be there for other people without being in our stuff or seeing through the lens of our pain or hurt or issues. And we did that. And things began to shift. And then there came a day when I heard in unity that God is in me, that I'm part of God. I mean, it really sunk in. I've been going. I've been listening, but I had my old Catholic background telling me I'm a sinner. I'm not good enough. All the things I never believed. I never believed it, but that part of me, that little girl in me, like, I'm not part of God. God's divine. I'm, I'm just dirty. And when I began to hear that, and Gary began to hear that, we began to talk about it, process it, do our breath work, work on our issues of shame and guilt. I'm not good enough. That's why those things were shut down. That's why the record deal never unfolded. That's why we're not doing music full-time in Music City. And the day that we sat down and we truly got it was the day everything changed. Fun. 
Father, Mother, God. Thank you. And we got it. No longer did we hold on to, well, the record deal fell through because we're not good enough. No longer did we seek out the ego stuff. We've got to be a star. We've got to be famous. We've got to be... And we started looking within, and we started trusting that guidance that was always there, but was covered up with the expectations of people who said, of course you're going to be a star. You're such an amazing singer and writer. You're going to go to Nashville, and you're going to be successful. We peeled off that layer and peeled off the layer of guilt. It's up to me to save my family. It's up to me to build my parents a new house and help my family and help my friends. It's up to me that guilt got peeled off, layer by layer, until we got to that point. 
until we got to that beautiful stained glass heart and the gifts within there that only us could do, only we could do, little by little. But it doesn't mean that obstacles didn't come along the way. Has anyone ever had a dream and huge obstacles have come up for you? Anybody? Mm -hmm. And what do we tend to do with those? We tend to believe certain things. The obstacle's there because I'm not supposed to do this. The obstacle's there because everybody was right. Right? I'll never make any money. The obstacle's there. And what we tend to do is project our beliefs on it, such as that obstacle showed up. Eh, forget it. Or it may be that we need to look at it a different way. Could it be a spiritual gift? Could it be that that obstacle showed up so that you were forced to stop in your tracks and look at your path and go within? Hmm. Does this feel right? Is this where I'm supposed to be heading? Okay, hee-haw. Stop long enough to go, hmm. Did these doors close? Because I'm not supposed to walk through those doors. Where is my guidance? Am I looking out here for validation? It's really good to hear from your hometown. Oh, we're all watching you on TV. You're going to be a star. Da 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 da. Let me tell you the um, crickets that happen when all that gets shut down. Poor Jody. She's not going to be a success. We were really counting on her to put our name on the map. Right? So that obstacle can make you feel all that. Sometimes the obstacle can be in our path. Right? To challenge us. How much do you really want this? Because I've heard a lot of people say, Jody, I want to be a singer and I want to do blah, 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 blah. But great. Okay. Do you have any advice? Yes. It'd be great if you, you know, want to take some guitar lessons, maybe some vocal lessons. And then booking yourself, you'll have to do this. And I give them some great ideas. And sometimes what I hear is, oh, I don't want to work. I don't want to do that. That's too much work. Are you sure? Yeah, it's a lot of work. Just because it's your dream and just because it feeds your soul doesn't mean you don't have to do the work. So sometimes the obstacle comes in our path to say, do you really want to do the work? If you say you want this, are you really going to commit? Sometimes the obstacles come into our path, and when they come into view, they seem insurmountable. But it could be something very, very tiny. Very, very tiny that throws us off track because we believe, uh, that's a big issue. I'll never get around it. Instead of going within and asking for guidance, how do we get around it? Watching Piper that day crawling, there was nothing standing in her way. Nothing. Not a toy, not, not a gate, not me, nothing. Again, the breadcrumbs. God left for us, right? But if we can look at the obstacles as gifts, such as, wow, it's an obstacle. I might have to veer to my right or veer to my left. I might find a shortcut. I might go to a place I never dreamed I'd ever go to or that was even possible. Remember, I had my sights on hee-haw. Never dreamed of anything else. I've been writing and singing for many years, and our songs have taken off and done some really cool things. And one of the coolest things that happened is when we got to our intention of use me. Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do, and use it for a purpose greater than myself. 
Because in unity we say what? God is good. Therefore, we are inherently good. There is a divine spark within us, right? Hmm. Why would God put that there if we're never going to use it? If he never intended us to use it, if he intended us to be covered up with guilt and shame and fear, why would he even, she even, (laughs) put that divine spark in us? Right? So we have this, this, this sense of, let me do something for a greater purpose. And our songs keep doing that. They keep moving through in ways we never intended. Someone cut our song called How Far Faith Can Go. We wrote it. We had a co-writer come in, change one chord because he wanted a co-write on it. Amazing guy. Within 24 hours, that song was picked up, recorded, and then we got a call. It was going to be the title of their album. Now, you can be in Nashville Pound in the streets for years, making all kinds of connections, and that never will happen. God was going, okay, over here, over here. We were just doing the work, being the wide open vessel, not concerned with how it might work out or what it looks like. A few years back, a friend of mine called me and said, Jody, I know we haven't talked for years, but it's like two in the morning. I've been reading A Course in Miracles and studying A Course in Miracles, and there's a line in there. I just felt moved to call you. It says, what would love do? And I just know you could write the song. I know you're supposed to write the song. And I hung up the phone and wrote the song, and Gary and I were co-writing some of it, editing, right? Baby Step One. And then I went to Nashville and recorded it. It was on the next album, Baby Step Two. And then I wrote a talk about it, Baby Step Three. And then I went back to Nashville to mentor with a big hit songwriter because I wanted to see, everyone's like, you've got to pitch that song. You know, you got so I sat down with this gentleman and he listened to it and he was moved beyond being moved. But then he gave me the obstacle. Well, Jody, that second verse is about a gay boy who comes to his parents and tells them he's gay and they, they love him. You've got to take that out. We're not ready for that. Well, especially in Christian music, you'll never get a cut. But if you do blah, 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 and I'm listening to him, and I said, thank you so much for your time, but I'm not taking that verse out. You'll never get it cut. No one will ever play it on the radio. Blah, blah, blah. you got to listen to me. Thank you very much for your time. The 19-year-old, an 18-year-old that showed up in Nashville would have been devastated. But I want to be a star. Yeah, okay, I guess I'll change it. The grown-up woman said, oh, no, I trust God. I trust this inner guidance. I've been following this path. I got in my car, I'm not kidding, I got a call from WAIF in Cincinnati saying, God, we heard this album, we want to do a whole show on it, we want to play all the songs and interview you. Was that not the universe going, again, validation, follow your path? A few weeks later, I got a call from friends who had heard this song, we'd become really good friends, and they said, look, Tom's retiring from the firehouse, and we're celebrating our anniversary in Florida. Whenever I go there on tour, I always stay at their beach house. There's a certain place in the sand I love to sit. I said, we can't think of a better thing to do, to gift to the world in honor of our celebrations, than to have a bench that sits on Treasure Island with the words, what would love do now? We'd like to have you come down and sing with an orchestra. And our only request is for you to sing that song and share it. And I did. It was magical. And when I got done singing, I walked down the beach. And I looked to the left at that fence. 
And I thought to myself, what if I'd given up? What if I decided, if I couldn't be a country music star, I wasn't going to do anything? What if I decided that was the only option for me? And because my dream was crushed, no, that's how we serve. Can you imagine, I imagine, someone walking down the beach and their heart is breaking. Maybe they're contemplating a divorce. And they glance over at that bench and they read, what would love be now? And maybe, just maybe, they choose to sit down and ponder that thought. And maybe their heart is opened and they come to a different conclusion or they come to the conclusion a divorce is imminent. But they have that time. Someone's walking down the beach and sees that and thinks about the husband they haven't talked to in years, they've been separated, the mother they haven't spoken to. Any kind of issue in their life, any kind of heartache, any kind of decision, and they can sit on that bench and look at the beautiful golf and take it in. It's not our business how our dream unfolds. It's not for us to decide. It's for us to uncover, remember that heart? Uncover, uncover, clear away, forgive, do whatever we need to do until that divine spark shines so brightly that there is no other choice. I don't sing to perform. It's not important to me if I'm in front of 5,000 people, 10,000 people, or one person. I can't not sing. I can't not write. I cannot let that divine spark flow through. I sing in the shower. I sing on my bike. I sing at the bedsides of dying people. And sick people, I listen to their stories. I connect deeply. How is it possible that I am able to do that? Because of the path and the breadcrumbs and the baby steps, the natural things. Jody learned to be a breathwork practitioner. And now when someone's in a sick bed and they're having trouble breathing, guess what? Jody, clear up your own stuff. Now when I sit with someone who's dying, I don't fall apart into my stuff. I can fully be present to guide them and help them through the journey to death. Do you know how precious and unique you are? Do you know that you can only do what you were sent here to do? He can't do what I do. You can't do what she does. And we are a tapestry woven together with this divine intention of we are all one and we all matter. And if those threads are missing, your thread in the tapestry, then what is going on in the world without you? The other thought I want to impart is, I think sometimes people express to me, well, I don't have a great big dream. I don't want to be famous, or I don't want to be the you know football coach, or I don't want. Doesn't matter. Your dream may look very small to the world, or to society, or to a friend. If you are great at baking, and your dream is to open a bakery, and you show up at somebody's function, and you decide to bring a casserole instead, because if you bring brownies, what if they don't like them? Bring the brownies. I promise you, somebody's going to say to the host, who made these? And then they're going to say something like, hey, I'd love to have you cook these for my child's birthday. Bingo, your first customer. It's safer to bring the casserole and never know. But only you can do it. You are sacred. We are not here by mistake, and we are not here to grow up. 
do our jobs, have our 401k, and retire and die. I go to Summa Hospital. I sit with patients every day. I sit with them, and I intuit what's going on, and then I pull up a song that hopefully they'll connect with. Sometimes they're sobbing. Sometimes it's laughter. We never know what's going to happen. But I can tell you, it's brought so clearly into my consciousness even more the regrets that people have. I never hear someone say, I wish I'd worked more hours and got more promotions. I wish my family thought I was the best lawyer in the world or the best doctor in the world or the best nurse in the world or whatever, teacher. You know what they say? I regret that I knew what my purpose was, but I chickened out. I regret letting friends and naysayers tell me I couldn't do it. I regret giving my power away to a man who said I wasn't allowed to work outside the house. I regret being a man who couldn't cry and feel I really always wanted to help people, but I got this job where I just sucked it all in, and it ruined my marriage. And on their deathbeds, or on their beds where they lay and say, ah, they diagnosed me with a terminal illness, or I just had a stroke that changed my life, every single one of them open and share with me in their own way, Jody, do it now. Do it now. Tell people to do it now. Tell people to follow their hearts. Tell people to express who they are. Don't play it safe. Don't worry about, oh my gosh, I'm going to retire and I can't go to Europe. Who cares? One man was telling me of all the trips he took with his wife. They've been everywhere. They have money out the yin-yang. And they were on one trip when she turned to him and said, I can't do this anymore. The money's been great. We've had the best lifestyle we could ever ask for. We have no relationship. Our children don't come home. They don't want to be around us. We are superficial people. I watched you give up your dream, and then I let mine die. Baby steps. That dream is one of many, and it keeps unfolding. Gary and I lived in Nashville, Tennessee many years. Some of you know that. Last year, his company came to him and said, look, we're going to send you to Florida. We're going to transfer you to Florida. So I've been touring there. We go there all the time. Lots of singing, lots of concerts. Great. We started to kind of get on that road. That's a cool dream. You know, being willing. That's the other thing. You must be willing to let your dream unfold all over the place. And that gets stuck in. Now it has to look like this. So we're like, okay. Sounds good to us. And as it unfolded, it didn't work out. And they sat Gary down. And it was really interesting when he called me because all along, you know, our life has always been, okay, this, nope, that. This, nope, that. This or something better, God. And God always comes up with something better. Unless you don't say yes. How many of us have done that? Someone calls and says, come on over, paint for our group. They'd like to see. No. And that was the very group where someone sat there who could have been your teacher, your helper, there are people that have handed us checks and saying, I know you need to do another album. Here's the money. There are people that saw, we were doing a commercial on the National Network and think this is hilarious. You've got to laugh at yourself. We didn't have the money for coats. It was a commercial where we were supposed to come up to the door and carol a couple who opened the door, right? There were other people involved. There were six of us. We had to wear red or green. We had no money. I went to the store and I got a red coat and a green coat. And the woman that helped me was very nice. And I said, this is perfect. We did the commercial, and then I took it back. Never thinking, they called a Christmas carol to Nashville, Christmas card. It's going to air the whole month of December. That woman's certainly going to see 
us on that show, right? Us on that commercial. And we didn't have the money. And then all kinds of things started unfolding. And people started showing up going, I love your music. I love what you do. I know it's hard. Here's a check. Here's somebody I know. Here's a studio. Can you do some studio work? Here's somebody else. Here are the best musicians in Nashville who want to come and play on your CDs. Are you kidding me? But if we're not on the divine path, if we're on the path of Siha, or not where spirit intended, not where that divine spark was intended, it'll fall apart. Or every obstacle will show up to go, wake up. This isn't for you. So, okay, Florida. They offered us Florida. Okay, so we're all excited. I come to Gary and sit down and say, we're really sorry. It's not working out with the other company. But how would you like to go to Nashville? Is the Pope Catholic? Are you kidding me? Our grandbaby's there. Our son is there. Right? His girlfriend, his family. We're like incredibly connected. All the musicians we know. All the time, all the recordings, everything that we put in place, the unity churches, and the whole thing is, it's not even about any of that. It's about spirit wants us there. We don't even know why. We might think we do, but I have a feeling there's some really interesting things in store. And the icing on the cake is pipe that I won't miss all these weeks and months away from her. That it doesn't break my heart to leave her because I'll see her all the time. In fact, while I was there, I'm like, you guys are going to dinner. I'm babysitting. What's your dream? What do you have to do to uncover it? What are you willing to do to uncover that divine spark and let it shine and follow the path that you are led on? What are you willing to do? Go back to unity principle, which tells us what? Prayer, meditation, going inward. Quit looking out here for your validation. Because as long as you look out here, you're never going to be happy. It's the people I know that keep looking to people to validate they're okay, they're good enough. And when something doesn't work out, what happens? I choose to keep taking baby steps, to keep following those breadcrumbs, those natural things that to me God left us. I don't complicate it with why or when or how or anymore. And when I forget... Trust me, something comes up on my path to shine that light and remind me, Jody, let go. Go within. Look for the signs. Look for the people to show up. It could be a red-tailed hawk that swoops down just as you're thinking, am I doing the right thing? Right? I'm taking baby steps towards my dreams, and I hope you'll join me. Thank you very much.